It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. This Locked On Podcast is brought to you by Home Chef. Now that the novelty of the new year has dwindled down, how are your resolutions coming? One of mine was to order less, take out, cook more at home. But I'll be honest, I haven't been consistent. That is until I found Home Chef. Home Chef provides fresh ingredients and chef-designed recipes conveniently delivered to your doorstep to simplify the cooking experience and without robbing you of the joy of putting a dish together yourself. I'm Pescatarian, and they cater to a variety of dietary needs. I had this super refreshing ginger sesame salmon, a beautiful trout dish, and a super comforting shrimp and vegetable orzo dish, all of which took me less than 30 minutes to put together. For a limited time right now, Home Chef is offering all of our listeners 18 free meals plus free shipping on your first box, and free dessert for life at homechef.com slash locked on. That's homechef.com slash locked on for 18 free meals and free dessert for life. Homechef.com slash locked on must be an active subscriber to receive free dessert. Welcome to the party. I'm Sam Ekstrom of Locked On Sports Minnesota. If you thought Cleat Gate was over, just wait till you see this Wes Phillips quote. Luke Inman on Twitter, at Luke underscore Spinman, ready to get into Cleatgate discussion and our updating gambling picks. Sam, you want to talk about that? What's up? I am Luke Braun from Locked On Vikings, and I am very excited to talk about the gambling standings. All that and plenty more. It's endless Vikings talk on the Minnesota football party. Locked On Sports Minnesota podcast. It's endless Minnesota Vikings talk with the diverse voices of your local experts. It's time for the Minnesota football party. It's your guys hanging out talking next level Vikings football. So join in with Pro Football Network's Arif Hassan, Locked On Vikings Luke Braun, Superior Sports Talk's Luke Inman, and Vikings insider Sam Ekstrom, plus the biggest names in Minnesota football for the Minnesota football party. And it starts now. Welcome in. Minnesota football party is back on a Thursday morning. There are mountains of snow outside, but not for Luke Braun because he lives in California. Welcome to the show. I'm Sam and the two Lukes join me today. Ron Johnson joins as well in about 15 minutes. We'll talk about DeMar Hamlin, of course, with him. We'll talk plenty about Vikings and Bears. Uh, How should the Vikings be approaching this week 18 game? And we've got more on Cleet Gate from week 17 at Lambeau. But first, a reminder to download the Lockdown Sports Minnesota app on Amazon Fire and Roku. Experience our shows on the big screen and your TVs on there. Uh, subscribe on YouTube, Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Leave a comment, like the video, help other people discover the show. And if you want to listen to us on your commute, in the car, find us free and available wherever you get your podcasts. This just came out, Luke Braun. You have been at the forefront of Cleatgate saying, this is, really, <laughs> the face. this is really dumb. You're the face of Cleatgate. Um, and you've been vocal about how stupid it is that this was a major factor in a major game. Uh, and it is I thought extremely that- funny how many <laughs> Packers fans think that I'm blaming the field here for being wet. <laughs> and I think you're blaming the Vikings, aren't you? Like, you're blaming Absolutely. the Vikings. Yeah. yeah. That field was not wearing the right. Sh- like, for January, that was there was green, mm-hmm. like, way more green than you usually see in January on an outdoor field. That was fine. The, the, there was snow on the grass, and then they melted the snow. And what does melted snow turn into? Well, I don't know, because the Vikings couldn't figure out what that means. As if they didn't live in a northern climate and knew that they needed, like, incredible grip on in a tough situation. But Wes Phillips today comes out firing for a mild-mannered man. He does not hold back talking about the cleats, at least in, ter- in Wes Phillips' terms. We definitely have to take the conditions into account, and we have to be professional about whatever the environment we're playing in. The margin for error in this league is small. I assume you're talking about guys slipping on the ground. It was noticeable that it happened with us, and it didn't happen with them. It was something that was addressed, but guys got to understand the margin for error is so small. I won't read the whole thing because it's long, but he goes on. Uh, So, Luke, you're not alone. The Vikings coaches, I think, are noticeably irritated. I thought that Kevin O'Connell was mildly irritated after the game, and clearly Wes Phillips is irritated too. So uh, I think a lesson's been learned going into Chicago here this Sunday. 
I'm still flabbergasted by this, man. Like, if this was, here's how I think about it. If this was like 1971 or something, fine, maybe. The technology isn't around yet or the awareness, preparation of detail, maybe not on the same level it is now. I get it. But, you guys, it's 2023. How are we not taking every measure just to prepare ourselves and put us in the best position to perform at the highest level? Like, make it make sense, guys. I don't get it. I've seen bad conditions before. I've seen guys have a hard time getting their footing, but I've never seen anything like what we saw Sunday in Lambeau. And how as a coach, like, you don't demand your players to wear the proper cleats that, you know, it's just going to give them the best opportunity to limit those costly errors we saw over and over and mm -hmm. over again. It's just kind of mind-boggling to me. I don't know what you guys have said about it this week. I saw Lou kind of blowing up, getting famous on Twitter about it a little bit. But to <laughs> me, like, I heard KOC say he recommended the seven stud cleats to the players, but he wasn't going to enforce it. Well, why not? Like, yeah, Some's fishy, guys. Cleat gate will not be forgotten. I'm with you. <laughs> I'm with you. This is a KOC thing. As yes. much as it is a player thing, you, you have to – Lay down the law just a little bit yes. when it comes down to your footing, I think. That's just me. I, I will echo something that Arif said on his on Norse Code on his podcast about like asking versus telling. And there is maybe something to it if you just demand and you're like, you know, you just go Zimmer about it and say, just do what I say. Um, that may have, have worked, but if you are asking and showing that like i mean this is like more of a leadership point than a, than a practical one but if you're asking and showing that sort of deference and, and that respect and then you mm -hmm. turn out to be right like next time you ask like next time you aren't going to have to demand you're going to be able to ask and they're, they're going to be like all right we learned our lesson this time I, for me i think we can firmly just say the players made a very dumb decision i think it was right that it was up to them because you got to be comfortable in your shoes you got to be in the right footwear like that that can be really dangerous if you're not comfortable. It, it was correct to be up to them. But with that, that means we get to blast them if they're wrong. And they were more wrong than I think we've ever seen. And we have seen the Vikings play on plenty of surfaces that were way worse than that. Phil Mackey had a good grass stat, too. The Vikings are something like 37, 60, and 2 on grass in the last X number of years, it's a really bad winning percentage. Yeah. Horrible. One of the worst in pro football. So that's that. I think they're probably going to have that adjustment made for the Bears on Sunday. A game where, to me, to my ear, it sounds like the Vikings want to win. It sounds like Kevin O'Connell, and he said it yesterday, we have a lot to play for. Um, and he echoed that on Sunday as well. So in his mind, he thinks that they need to win this game. I don't think so. I don't think they need to win this game. I don't think it's number. Luke and I talked yesterday about how the three seed isn't that bad. The odds. What's the line on uh, on San Francisco, Arizona? 14. Oh so a 14 gosh. point underdog is going to go into San Francisco and beat the hottest team in football. The number three Super Bowl favorite in a game that San Francisco absolutely wants to win and has a chance at a one seed. No way! And Arizona's starting their what fourth string now? Where no are we at? Fifth way. string now? Where are we at? It's David Blau. Oh, it's David Blau. It is okay. They're running the with the Blau show. I love the man, it. the myth, the legend. So I think this is a mistake. I don't think Week 18 matters. I think you have to dial it back seriously down to preseason levels. Um, the Bears are playing Nathan Peterman. You can win the game with whoever plays. You can win the mm -hmm. game with Nick Mullins. I don't see the value in in really stressing yourself at all yeah. to win this game. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. Like just in the most general way when I look at this whole thing, top to bottom, you weigh the pros and cons, risk versus reward. I'm leaning heavily into sitting my guys if I'm KOC too, Sam. So I'm with you. You brought up a great point yesterday. Justin Jefferson no longer in the running to break the receptions, the yardage record. So that temptation, that's no longer there. You've got defensive veterans who just desperately would benefit from a week's worth of rest. Guys like Zedarius, especially Zedarius, I think. He's the one that comes to the forefront of the mind right away in the worst way. But even guys like Harrison Smith, Dalvin Tomlinson's been banged up on and off all season. The risk versus reward of anyone going down with another injury on what we know is is probably going to be another shoddy field and playing conditions at Soldier Field. I mean, the last thing I want is another starter to get hurt in a meaningless game and make things more difficult for a possible Super Bowl run. There's only one obvious thing 
that kind of stands out to me that would validate and maybe justify some playing some starters. That's getting the timing and chemistry down between the center and the quarterback exchange. Yeah. And I don't know, yeah. you know, if they're planning on rolling out Chris Reed again. I don't know if it's going to be the new guy off the streets, Mance, but we already saw how detrimental having no practice can be to the offense when it comes to the center quarterback relationship. Now, once the last thing you want is that to repeat itself in any way in your first playoff game. Now, granted, first playoff game, it's going to be at home. Things like, you know, the silent snap count shouldn't be needed. And granted, too, you'll get two weeks of practice together with those guys from now to the playoffs, so that's going to help, too. But there's just nothing, I don't think, that can prepare you for playoff football, like playing in an actual game together, hearing the audibles, the checks, slide protections, etc. because playing offensive line in the NFL is so difficult and elaborate and nobody has a tougher job when it comes to you know the little nuances of that than the center and so if that means KOC starts his five starting offensive linemen and Kirk for a few series and then pulls them I don't know I don't know what the ultimate best case scenario solution is there but getting some live reps together I think is the only way to build that connection and trust everyone else I think should be sitting in my opinion I talked about some of those defensive guys but KOC you know it you do not want to go into round one with your quarterback center exchange on the Fritz like we saw on Sunday versus the Packers because that was just a disaster and you're basically you're putting your offense behind the eight ball before you even step out on the field if that's the case like it's already hard enough to have success in the NFL don't shoot yourself in the foot before you're even out on the field come playoff time I think that's the only thing that really worries me right now in sitting all those starters maybe some of those offensive linemen and Kirk maybe they should play a couple series yeah Luke are you on the same page here I get the idea of trying to win because you just, you know, you never know. What if what if Brock Purdy had right. turns into a pumpkin and throws five interceptions, right? Certainly crazier things have happened. Uh, and we as Vikings fans should know that just because there's a backup quarterback in does not mean that you are guaranteed to win that game. <laughs> so I, I don't mind the idea of, hey, let's try to win this one. But I, I have a question. Neutral field. Uh, Nick Mullins versus I don't even know who the backup is in uh, Peterman? Chicago. Oh, yeah. Peterman's Nathan, playing. Right. Yeah. I just talked about this with Lauren yesterday, too. Uh, Nick Mullins versus Nathan Peterman. What's the spread? <laughs> the Vikings are still favored by like four. They can totally get away with it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> hey, Mullins. Uh, Mullins looked all right on Sunday through touchdown pass. Yeah, he's fine. Yeah. He's, I agree with he's a solid Peterman. backup. Yeah, all th- I agree you look at the though. backup, the landscape of the backups in the NFL. He, he's solid. I think you take him more times than not. The Bears are straight up going for the number one pick. Have you yeah. seen the line movement? Yeah. I mean, even before the Peterman news, it went from like one to six. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and the field's not playing is huge because fields yeah. could, is like, could be the you. only player who's good at something, and he's not even good at all the stuff he's supposed to be good at. Mm-hmm. Right, like passing and not taking sacks, but he could yeah, he like could go Michael Vick man. circa twenty two thousand two on the Vikings and he could could run over them. Peterman's yeah. not gonna do that. Um you could win this game sixteen to eleven and and that would count and that would be fine and you can get guys some rest. The offensive line And up- the Giants will be resting too. So assuming you do get the three seed, they will have or the, I think they're going to be resting their starters because they have absolutely nothing to play for except for spite of the Eagles. Right. Mm-hmm. There was a story about how Tom Coughlin in 2008 had a meaningless Week 17 game. Oh, and, that was great. I saw and they that. Act, they actually they played hard. They no, played was, to win. It was 2007, and, it, and they were up. They were the last chance to stop the Patriots Patriot. from going 16 and 0. Yeah, and John Madden left a voicemail, oh, right? right? And said, hey, yeah. man, I know you had nothing to play for, but just as an old-school football guy who appreciates and loves the game, I respect the heck out of what you just did, and, and that showed mm-hmm. me a lot. So, yeah, And that someone really got cool. hurt in that. I think Jeremy Shockey got hurt in that game. Oh, wow. And they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> and then wow. they won the Super Bowl. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, and then, you know, there's other considerations, too, now that they're they're – proposing maybe like an extra bye week in the playoffs. It, it's all very interesting um, with how they're handling, you know, the, the after effects of DeMar Hamlin. Um, but the offensive line updates from yesterday, in case you hadn't seen Brian O'Neill, partially torn Achilles out, obviously for the playoffs needs surgery should be back for next year. But Luke, your guy, Luke uh, Inman, Blake Brandle might be back. Huge. I didn't even think about break Brand- Brandle coming back, but it's actually on the table. He will be eligible. And in fact, Kevin O'Connell seems confident 
that he's going to be back. So I guess the question is, going into the playoffs, would you roll with Brandel off the knee injury versus Oliudo at right tackle? You know, it's tough to say, Sam, unless, you know, you're there at practice, you know his mobility, how comfortable he is, how well he's moving and things like that. I just know if they're both healthy, without a doubt, hands down, I'm leaning towards Blake Brandel. Oliudo, we saw him struggle a lot at guard. We know he fits more naturally at tackle, but everything we saw from that three, four game sample side from Blake Brandel, I'm a lot more confident in Blake. And that's even despite knowing that, all right, is there going to be a little adjustment period going from the left side? We saw him at left tackle filling in for Derisaw and now flinging over to the right side to fill in on O'Neill. There might be a little adjustment period there. I don't know how smooth that transition is going to be. I don't know how many reps he's taken all year going all the way back to OTA's training camp, things like that at right tackle. So tough to answer for sure without knowing some of those little nuances and intricacies, but healthy, both of them, 100%. Mm-hmm. I'm going Blake Brandle every time. Yeah. I mean, you know my favorite cocktail is a Blackberry Bramble. Well, for, <laughs> That's for, right. For the, for the playoffs, I want a playoff cocktail of Bradbury Brandle on the offensive All right. line. I feel okay. a whole lot better. Wow. feel a whole lot better about the Vikings offensive line if that were the case. Uh, Braun, you thinking uh, Brandle's the guy? Are you are, are you still going on about my uh, my brilliant wordplay? <laughs> I'm shaking to my core. I, I think I need a pat on the back. A reef would not allow that if he was here. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. Uh. Yes. Yeah. Brandel for sure. I mean, he won the job in camp, right? Like that is has the the Vikings have already made that decision on like if both are healthy, you're going with Brandel. Um. It's just is it a matter of how long it takes for him to be healthy. You don't want to rush him back or anything like that. Um. But yeah, if he's there, if he's available, you know, you're not going to put him on the field before you get to see him at right tackle and see if it works out, see if his knee can hold up, see if he's still got the same like flexibility and athleticism um, that he had before the injury or if that's still a few months away or like you get to look at all of that. We don't get to look at it. We don't get to know. We just kind of have to guess. But when you're the Vikings making that decision, you get to see all that information. Uh, so I would say if Brandell does go in, we can kind of assume that they've already said, okay, he's healthy enough and we're not worried about it. And we're not worried about him moving to right, which he's, he did in camp too. Like I think he's back and forth all the time. He did. Okay. I, I think he's, okay. Yeah, yeah. He's a swing guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He's, so. he's versatile. Ron Johnson is waiting in the wings before we get to him. Today's episode is brought to you by betonline.net. That's where we're getting all the lines for all the games and all the leagues. Uh, we gave you the Cardinals 49ers line. It's minus 14. I'm seeing another minus 14 with the Eagles beating the Giants. This is why I don't think there's going to be a lot of seed shifting this week in the NFC. The Vikings line is up to seven and a half. Minnesota's favored at Soldier Field over under 43. Uh, we've been tracking that all week long, and we'll see how it continues to move. Uh, get that at betonline.net for bowl season, NFL lines, and, of course, the NFL playoffs around the corner. It's bet online. Find it on your mobile device. It's where the game starts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match with Indeed. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. Just go to Indeed.com slash podcast right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire. You need Indeed. Let's see who was lucky enough to get invited to today's party. It's time to meet our guest of honor. He's at three Ron Johnson on Twitter. Find his show, the Ron Johnson show on Locked on Sports Minnesota. Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, occasionally Thursdays and the round table on Fridays. We had a special episode today with Courtney Cronin dropping shortly. Uh, Ron just got the latest news on DeMar Hamlin. We've mm-hmm. been talking about that for the last few days on your show. Great news. Apparently, he's awake. He's neurologically intact. He's holding hands with family. We don't know all the details, but every sign seems to indicate positive progress for DeMar Hamlin, uh, which is unbelievable news to get. Yeah, well, I mean, the the fact that he had bruised lungs, uh, you know, they had to... Uh, uh, put him in a coma, basically put him under, put him asleep um, so that he can heal and his body could do what it needed to do. And then he's awake being under that long. Sometimes you always worry about all that stuff. So again, he's not out of the woods yet from what it looks like. I'm not a doctor, but from what they're saying, uh, just sounds like he's going to, uh, you know, be up now. They said he, I think said grab some hands of some family members. So, you know, at least he, he's doing that now talking and all that stuff, I guess that's going to come down the line to see where's, 
uh, neurological function. But the fact that he's up, I think that's the key. Like he, he woke up. So uh, that's the first step. And then now his lungs just have to continue to heal once he's breathing on his own. Then it's, you know, it's going to be a slow process all, all off season, all summer for him. But, you know, the fact that he's alive, I think that's what we can celebrate. Yeah, fantastic. Um, and you've got some really good fleshed out thoughts on this on your show, the Ron Johnson show. Um, awkward segue, but we'll segue to this. The cleat issue um, in Vikings Packers kind of came to the forefront again today. Wes Phillips had some big comments about it, how uh, they need to act more professionally and they need to make the right decisions with what they're wearing on their feet. And you as a wide receiver on, I'm sure you encountered having to make those footwear decisions before games. Uh, what is the difference in your mind with, with the seven stud cleats that they opted not to wear at first and uh, the cleats that they did wear where they were slipping? Uh, <clears throat> well, I mean, honestly, if, if, if you're the equipment staff, uh, they could probably take an eye and look over at the Packers or what some of their players are wearing to, to give the guys a heads up. Like, hey, man, the Packers are all wearing seven studs. We probably need to do this. Um, the act professionally, I guess, you know, probably some guys had some custom cleats on they really wanted to wear or some some cleats they really thought they were going to wear for this game and they didn't want to let go of that. Um, the seven studs are not as comfortable as well. But um, at the end of the day, yeah, if, if, if the staff and everybody's saying, hey, this field condition is terrible you're gonna want more traction um you just gotta do it you know i don't know what exactly because professional there's who knows what was going on if they were told to do it and players still were like no i'm not doing that like these are ugly who knows i don't I have no idea why he would use that term um <clears throat> but clearly it comes from a place of something that happened in the locker room so whether the players declined to wear them and were advised to do it and then after the you know slipping then they decided to do it but it was too late by then mm-hmm um, but yeah, they're going to face another field. Uh, the Bears field is is probably worse because, again, the Bears are possibly leaving uh, that area. And so the the city owns that field. And so for them, they're like, look, we're not going to continue to take care and manage this field if you guys are just going to up and leave anyway and go out to Forest Lake or Schaumburg somewhere or, you know, somewhere outside the city because you want to own the stadium and you want it to be yours. So, yeah, the players are going to have to, during warmups, go out there early, check the field conditions and see what they want to wear. They're going to be playing on straight-up gravel. Is that what you're saying? Just gravel and rock? <laughs> that, that's what Soldier Field has been reduced to. Uh, Luke Inman, what do you got for Ron Johnson? Yeah, Ron, let me switch gears a little bit. The draft is going to be here before we know it. By the way, pull up some Ron Johnson combine stats. I got to say, Ron, for your site, coming in at six foot three, 225, running a 402 shuttle, Pretty dang solid, man. I got to give you some quick props there. But I'm curious what the pre-draft process was like for you. If you got any crazy or funny stories from your time in Indy or just those few months leading up to the draft, what it was like hearing your name called on draft day. Also, too, like what's changed about this draft process from when you were around to now? Because we've seen it evolve into just this giant spectacle now. It's so popular, gets so much coverage. And the preparation some of these prospects go through now, it seems to be at like a whole new level from what it used to be. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the 402 shuttle, I forgot about that. But yeah, I do remember it was one of like the top whatever times uh, for receivers even. So not just my size. For receivers, I had some quick twitch. I can get out of my breaks. I think that was the one thing, running comebacks, curls. I can get out of my breaks for a big guy. Um, 93rd percentile you were in in that shot. 93rd percentile, pretty good. So if I just could have run my 40, I couldn't get my 40 because my my hamstring started to get tight and I was a little nervous because Brian Polly Dixon, uh, who's a receiver out of UCLA, completely snapped his hamstring at the combine and he ran Ouch. uh uh he had run in the group before us and so i remember seeing him snap his hamstring you can see the you know it balled up literally down by his knee and we were all were like oh and so if you look at it, i think a lot of guys opted out in our group um if you go back and look at some of the 40 times for the combine for our my year uh, a lot of guys after seeing that they're like ah, oh, because it was cold in there the doors were open and we were all wondering we couldn't get it was hard to get warm and stay warm now it's different in there lucas oil is a lot better stadium uh now than it was back in the day um just like the metrodome compared to us bank uh just you know just access to the the wind tunnel being open too long and all that kind of stuff but anyway um, the one thing I'll say is, uh, you know, going out to California, working out with Aiken Andale, Tank Williams, who joined me on the show, uh, you know, uh, Lamont uh, Thompson, I think was his last name. He ended up from, from Washington State going to the Bengals. Uh, we we all had fun. I mean, that was the one thing I remember. Uh, David Carr, he was in our group. But we all had the same agent. And so I do remember like the draft process, just working out with those guys, uh, being around Scott Fujita. He was out there with mm. us uh, working out with those guys. Uh, you know, being in the sand, 
uh, going out to dinner, going out to parties. Uh, we, we all did the Super Bowl together that year um, as, you know, college guys coming out. We all did, you know, we did the NBA All-Star game that year as a group. So we, we just, we, we became like a group of, of brothers and even guys like uh, Clinton Porters, Mike Rump, Philip Buchanan, uh, all the guys I was around uh, during that same time frame because of uh, some of the, hey, rookie year in the NFL stuff I did with Clinton Portis and those guys. So uh, I just remember that whole process, like leading up to it through college, through the draft, through the combine. It was literally just how do I stay healthy? Because if you get hurt before then, and I don't know, I don't think Brian Polly Dixon ever played um, because it's one of those things when you get hurt at that point, you don't have a school or a team that feels like they need to help you rehab. So you're kind of you're 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 kind of in no man's land. And so getting hurt without a college to back you up and without an NFL team to take care of you, you're in this weird spot where you got to rehab on your own. You got to pay for a lot of your own medical bills. Um, your agent might do it, but they're also like, look, I'm going to front the bill, but you're going to pay me back when you get drafted. So a lot of that stuff, that's what people don't understand. A lot of that money, those bags of money that everybody, because everybody's like, oh man, I got $25,000 from my agent. Yeah, they take it back from you. They get it back from you. And so I think players forget that, that those are not like giving away money. That's a loan that they're like, hey, look, this dude's going to get drafted. He's going to get a signing bonus. His 3% is going to, you know, garner me at least 60, 70, 80, $100,000. <clears> so why not? You know, and so mm-hmm. I, I think that was the biggest point, too. I, my, my goal was to stay healthy so that when when my number was called, um, I was able to pick up the phone and say, yep, I'll be their coach day one. You know, some players have to pick up the phone and say, uh, no, I'm not like because they'll say, hey, how's your knee? Or, hey, how's your back? Or, hey, how's you know, it, it's, it's a tough business. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Braun, what do you got? Well, you're just talking about uh, resting starters or not in games that are uh, meaningless or like this one that have some meaning, but like not a lot. Um, but I know some players don't even want to, they don't want their rhythm to be messed up or whatever. Mm-hmm. I was wondering where you fell on, uh, fell on that. Yeah, it's it's a it's a tough one. And so that's that's going to be up to the coach and the player. Everybody's different. You know, Michael Jordan can sit out six games and come back and score 80. Uh, Kobe Bryant could sit out, you know, 20 games, come back and score 80. So some, you know, Aaron Rodgers could take a week off and he'll come back and be fine. Tom Brady, Peyton Manning, those guys would take weeks off of practice and come back, just play Sundays. You know, no rhythm needed. Just I'm good. Uh, some players do need that repetition, that rhythm, that reminder of like, hey, I'm in football mode. And so that's going to be up to Kevin O'Connell. Um, I'm never one to say if a player should and shouldn't rest because everybody's different. Some players can play 10 years, never get hurt. Some players can play, you know, one game and get hurt every single game they step on. Every time they step on the field, they're hurt. Um, the human body is an interesting thing. So these guys are going to have to listen to their own bodies. They know what they can do. They know how quick they can recover. They know at this point, most likely, no, not most, no, they know at this point they're not going to have a bye. So there's no, you know, rhyme or reason to think like, oh, let's play this game. Then we're going to get the first seed. So they're not going to get that. Uh, So at this point, it's up to you. I mean, it's kind of like preseason where you say, well, let's play the starters, maybe a half and then see how the game's going. If we're blowing them out, let's pull them. If we're getting blown out either way, let's pull them. Like there's no reason to win this game and sacrifice players getting hurt and play even uglier. Uh, But I do think they need to play at least a quarter or a half if they're going to put them in there. Uh, because with this offensive line, you gotta you gotta get the now now you know you're not gonna have Brian O'Neill or um, Austin Schlotman. You might get Bradbury back. So if you know you gotta have a makeshift offense line, or here's the five guys, I think you gotta get those five out there at least play a half together so they can got understand the conversations they need to have on the field. Ron, I, I want to get your take on this. So I think you look at a team like the Lions and you see all this positive momentum, and you talk about how well-positioned they are for 2023 and even the bears a little bit people talking Mm -hmm. about you know justin fields coming around uh the cap space they have the draft pick they're gonna have i don't know if people are saying the same thing about the vikings that that Mm -hmm. this season is gonna be is turning into positive momentum for the future just because (laughs) of the the big salaries um maybe just the the the, you know as peter bukowski might say the unsustainable nature of how (laughs) they've won games uh do you think that you were doing the Vikings a disservice by not talking about what this could become in the future? Uh, do you think that this this is something to build on in future years, or is this more of a one-off season in your mind? Um, I kind of feel like it's a one-off. And not the fact that they can't win like this. I just feel like the way this roster is built, 
uh, it's not sustainable from a dollars and age standpoint. When you look at the older veterans like an Adam Thielen, uh, Harrison Smith, uh, Daniil Hunter contract wise in the three, four versus a four, three Dalvin cook in a passing offense with that contract. Um, all of those things to me don't end in TJ Hawkinson wanting a new contract. Uh, you know, Justin Jefferson gonna have to get a big contract here or somewhere else. Like all those things I think matter. And that's where, uh, this team's gonna have to figure that out. Like this is not sustainable with the roster they have, but then what does our roster need to look like moving forward? Uh, clearly it's trying to find another offensive of lineman. Uh, honestly, Andrew Whitworth, I wish, you know, he could play cause I don't <laughs> see why not at this point. Like he's a solid, he could be, he doesn't have to be a left tackle. He could be right tackle. Um, and he, you know, won a Super Bowl. He's definitely old, but he's still good. And you only need him for like a couple games. You don't need him for a whole season. So I don't know. But that's anyway. Uh, I just don't feel like it's sustainable with what there's it. So I think I think again, competitive rebuild, meaning what are our main pieces to this puzzle? And then what do we need to do? Is it, it it's almost like those five thousand piece puzzles where you have most of it done, you can see what it looks like, you know exactly what you're missing, but you can't find the pieces. So whether your knees hit them or they're underneath the couch or grandma put it in her pocket because she forgot like there's pieces of this puzzle missing and they're going to have to figure this out also there's pieces from another puzzle in their puzzle which are some of these older players that you know they're probably gonna have to move on from and uh you got to figure out which puzzle these came you know like your kid clearly you can see this is not for this puzzle um but it, what do we do with this piece you know do we try to paint over it and just make it work you know or do we just completely yep let's throw this piece away let's go find the piece that fits so we can finally finish this puzzle and that's where i think this team is so it's not a, it's not like you know it's not like a fluke like they can't win 12 games again but but i i don't because when you look at how they're built offensively uh what is this fifth in passing yards which they can you know the quarterback they can resign them they can keep mm -hmm. him longer. He's only 34, so it's not like he can't play till he's 38 uh, or even 40. He doesn't take hits. He's very durable. Uh, he's not a runner, so it's not like he's going to lose foot speed. Uh, you look at the points per game, 7th. You look at their total yards, 12th. Their run game is the only thing at 27th, so it's like, is that the one thing they're going to always sacrifice? Are they always going to be? Because the Buccaneers are also last right now in running, and it doesn't seem to bother them. Nobody's saying, man, the Buccaneers' run game sucks. No. Yeah. Because they're like, this is Tom Brady's team. He's going to throw the ball. So if this is what Kirk Cousins needs to be, like nobody's questioning the Buccaneers run game because they never said they run the ball. So I think that's where Kevin O'Connell needs to figure this out. Like if he wants to be that Bucks rams type of coach where we're just going to throw the ball for the most part, then do it. Because even Lean like the Chiefs, it. nobody's yep. questioning the Chiefs run game. It's, it's Patrick Mahomes. So let's just call a spade a spade. This is a passing team. If this is what you want it to be, sign TJ Hawkinson, sign Justin Jefferson, uh, KJ Osborne's here. Maybe go get one more guy in the draft, another possible receiver to replace Adam Thielen eventually. Irv Smith can come back from health because he's not going to have a huge market that's looking for him right now coming off injury. Hey, you know, maybe see what you can get for Dalvin Cook if that's the way you're going to go. You can hear Ron Johnson Mondays, Tuesdays, Wednesdays, and Fridays on Locked on Sports Minnesota. He's on Twitter at 3 Ron Johnson. Ron, thanks for joining us. Always good stuff. No, appreciate it. Thank you, guys. Yeah, tremendous stuff from Ron. And I want to get your guys' take, too, on that last question. This It's almost like the phrase that Quasi used, competitive rebuild. It's like he meant, first, we're going to be competitive. Mm -hmm. Then we're going to rebuild because <laughs> yeah. the the whole year has really been nothing but competitive. I mean, they, they didn't really make moves in the off season in the off season that would indicate they were rebuilding. They didn't cut veterans. They've made trades to acquire, not to reduce their roster. Um, so has that in some ways actually hampered the, the rebuild part because they've given up draft picks for TJ Hawkinson, et cetera, given up a draft pick for Nick Mullins. Um, has that hampered, I guess, the rebuild portion of Quasi's plan because they were so competitive, Luke Braun? Uh, I I think they understand what their long-term plan is. Um, I, I think we're a little bit too obsessed with the idea of a rebuild as this like Bears-style tear everything down. Let's go from the start. Let's not worry about competing for four, for four more years. And I get that Vikings fans like that because they don't like getting their hopes up because they're weak. Um, but... <laughs> That's not what rebuilding needs to be in the NFL. Uh, 
you can have a lot of teams. I mean, I, I've always, when when talking about this, look pointed to the Bills. The Bills drafted Josh Allen the year after, a year after they made the playoffs. They they made the playoffs with Terod Taylor. They had very slowly built their whole roster, and then they, uh, you know, one or two major pieces that unlocked the whole thing, and that was the Stefan Diggs trade, and he paired so well with Josh Allen that suddenly the whole thing explodes. Um. I I am very oversimplistic about this. Get good players, keep good players. If they're good, keep them. Find a way. Uh, and if they're not, then don't. I think what we might see this offseason is more about, especially on the defensive side of the ball, who fits. Um, who do we think can fit with another year? You look at like Eric Kendricks has not mm -hmm. had a good year. But is it because he doesn't fit the scheme or is it because he just is in his first year in it and maybe year two he'll get a little better? Um, and that's the kind of, I think, where the decision calculus is when it comes to the cap and all that stuff, um, the Vikings cap situation right now is insanely malleable. Uh, they have so many different options for ways to clear space if they want to, or they don't have to, if they don't feel like there's a, a bunch of acquisitions that they want, they can be very pick and choose about who's on free agency. I think cornerback is the only position where they like have to get somebody and will be like negotiating on those grounds. But they should get a wide. I agree with Ron. Like a wide receiver would be a great, like a good draft idea. They don't have to. They're, it's not an emergency if they don't. I think corner is the only position where they need that. So no, I, I don't think winning games is bad for their rebuilding. They can just go get good players, and you can get good players at pick, you know, twenty eight or whatever. Like you can get bad players at pick five. Go get good players, and if you're hitting on every single draft pick, but your draft position just isn't quite high enough then we can talk about it uh but that will never happen to anyone because that's not how anything works yeah inman and i were talking yesterday about how the draft shapes up uh no second round pick which and that is kind of a result of being competitive i mean and, and that's i think a worthy investment and i would rather have tj hawkinson you, you get tj hawkinson right for, for next sure. year at least yeah. a yep. late second too right and, and granted it's and it, another it, third next year back, but right? like yeah yeah there's not and sam and i brought up this too like there's not a ton of young building blocks outside of derisaw and jj that you can for sure say these are guys the jury's still out on a lot of guys like cam bynum we have no idea about andrew booth and lucy but tj hawkinson is certainly a building block uh, i think he's that guy mm -hmm. for sure so yeah i, I can justify it yet but he's gonna be yeah so if they were to recoup that second round pick somehow by trading a guy, who do you think could could bring that in? Who could get you a two? Could Dalvin get you a two? Because that's ah, somebody that I would shop. So tough running back. I, I don't think. I think maybe the, someone's the market enough. is so watered down at running back now in the NFL. Just in general, you can always find these guys, even on day three, serviceable guys. I know Dalvin's elite. I mean, he's one of those top five blue chip guys. He's special, but given his age now at this point, he's always been banged yeah, up a little bit. Like Fifteen mil. I think it's what if Bill O'Brien gets a job? Would Bill O'Brien uh, maybe spin <laughs> that deal? Oh, for sure. <laughs> Bill yeah. O'Brien no, is liable to do anything. Yeah, I, I think anybody past the age of like 30, you're going to have a hard time getting an early draft pick from. So I look at maybe like a Daniil Hunter. Maybe you could get a second for, yeah. you know, or top 40 pick for Daniil, maybe. But it's tough to sit here and say guys like Harrison Smith or Zadarius or Thielen or Kendricks, you know, a lot of our core guys, uh, you could get much more than maybe a third or fourth round pick. I just think from the trades we've seen for veterans, they usually don't break the mm -hmm. bank once you get up there past 30. Uh, Ron brought up Irv Smith. I, I think Irv Smith is interesting because this is kind of the one scenario where you might actually be able to get him back on a cheap prove-it deal. Mm. You may actually get another year of Irv Smith if you want it because I don't think he's getting paid. He's not getting paid paid. Um, he's not getting Tyler Conklin money. You know, What is Irv Smith's future with this team? He might. You think the, he's the getting paid paid? Market, the tight end market sucks like there are no good tight ends which is part of why i'm so happy with tj hawkinson because we have one of the only good tight ends in the league yeah but it doesn't it, take like, much to get paid i will say that like there are yeah, some big and, contracts given to very underwhelming players so there is that it, like there are a lot of teams where irv smith would be the best tight end on that team and if you can go into free agency and get a starting tight end that would immediately be the best guy on your team i think you're gonna give him yeah, you know, not Darren Waller money, but Tyler Conklin money. It's kind of wild, though, to for, for someone to pay Irv Smith, who barely and really didn't beat out Johnny Munt on this team and hasn't done anything meaningful since, 
well, really ever, but he hasn't even shown flashes of being meaningful since 2020. Like late 2020, the end of the Cal Rudolph era. That's the only time where I think you could really cling to Irv Smith is good. There's not a lot of evidence. Yeah. I, all these teams have draft priors on them too, that they might be like, we really liked him coming out. You know, yeah, I mean, th- that's what I was going to say. What like, makes you trade gambling. for a Chris Herndon, you know? <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Don't go there. No, 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 no. You're gambling on the upside, banking on, all right, he's going to fit better in our system. I can maximize what we saw when he came out of Alabama and also bank on he can just stay healthy in a system for yeah. a long stretch and long period of time. And I think at the end of the day, too, supply and demand, Luke nailed it. Like, there's just not a ton. Mike Gusecki, Dalton Schultz. Okay. Evan Engram starting to have a good year. He'll probably resign with Jacksonville, I would think. And then you get into Austin Hooper, Robert Tunyon, Mercedes Lewis. There's just not a huge market out there. So supply and demand, yeah, he's not going to break the bank. No Darren Waller money, you're right. But yeah, I think Tyler Conklin is a pretty good example of a contract he could get. Hmm. We're going to make our gambling picks momentarily, really quickly before we do. Check out Locked on Sports today. Biggest stories around the sports world in 20 minutes or less. Instant reactions, game recaps, and Lockdown's take of the day. Lockdown Sports Today available on YouTube and wherever you get your podcasts. Leave in the comments section below, by the way, if you think Irv Smith will be a Viking beyond this year and at what cost. Uh, we now get into our bet online gambling picks. The final week of our season-long contest, gentlemen. It's been fun, not for me, uh, but for everybody else. The standings are as follows. Luke Braun, you lead. With 884 and change. Luke Inman in second, 592 and change. Arif Hassan in third, 460 and change. Sam Ekstrom in last, negative $5,669.97. Not bad, um, man. Not bad. So I haven't done the math on this, <laughs> but all right. So, so this is what's happening right now. This is very fluid, and this actually gives me some hope. So Arif Hassan, despite being, he, he knew he wasn't going to be on the show. I asked him for picks. He did not send in picks. So I think the rule is, is that we get to do max bets on his behalf. Um, So I need to, we need to pick two that Arif will lose and two that I will win. Would you like to help me conspire against Arif and uh, and cheat this contest and beat him? Is he going to sign off on that? I was in Arif's position. I'm down to cheat. Yeah, okay. I'm down to do something improper. To spite Arif, absolutely. If because okay. if I was Arif, I'd just say, "Well, I'll, I'll just take the last pick. Like, let me know what what picks you guys made, and and then I'll make my pick tonight or tomorrow, or whatever." But no, yeah, I'm always down being to fair. Let's do sure. it. That is yeah. more sensible, Luke. But this yeah. is more fun. This For is sure. more vengeful. Um, you're desperate, Sam. I get it. I, I I know where you're at. I feel you. You're you're desperate. And I think it, the max is six thousand behind. The max bet is eighteen hundred. So if we do two maxes for a reef, I do two maxes. <laughs> I can pass him. This is going to work out. Or <laughs> lay four games together. Yep. <laughs> a reef is the first pick. So what is the least likely bet that he would win? What is the, or in other words, the most likely loser bet on the? How board? bummed are you going to be when we go two and out with the reefs picks? Yeah, it was par for happen. the course. Par for the course for this season. Um, I was going right. to say like let you take a money line or something. Yeah. I, mean, oh, I think yeah. I think we got to be true. We got to be true to what we've done. So we'll do spreads okay. or, or over unders. So it really is a coin flip. It's two fifty fifties. We're giving him equal chance to win or lose. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm t- I'm open to suggestions here. I'm open. To, I I think the Colts against the Texans. The, the the Texans need to lose this game. Um. Oh no. I just got a text from a reef. Oh, no way. As we speak. Oh, oh, no way. Oh, buzzer beater. Tell me it was the Texans. <laughs> it's over. Tell me it was the I Texans. I apologize for nothing, Arif. It was not the Texans. Oh. Oh, that's hilarious. <laughs> Shoot. <laughs> his radar went off. His his spidey senses were tingling, and he knew. Unbelievable. He, he takes the, the Chargers plus one and a half. Minus 109. I'm so deflated. Well, did he go max bet? Maybe that's his penalty. He wasn't here. He has to go max bet. Because he could still lose. Yeah. Yeah. Let's give him max bet. He didn't say? Yeah, justify it. Oh, he did. He did say. He did say. So it's actually 300. Um, This is really sad. Uh, I, I will send, however, a trophy to the winner. A trophy of my own design. You'll get oh, in the mail. 
and uh, then you can uh, you can present it on the show once you receive so, it. So you're gonna drive to the post office and mail this trophy. Shipping and handling on me. Wow. And by me, that. I mean the company card. I think Luke we still got to do a, a, a playoff run too. I think we should still do picks for the playoffs too. Maybe yeah, a new like a little separate mini game or something. competition. Yeah. A separate, yeah, yeah separate yeah. contest. So Sam yep. has a chance to win. Maybe. Yep. Yeah. Reset it. Do like a a, a mm-hmm. teaser or something. I don't know. Yeah. Bron. Um, tried and true. The only thing I've had sustained success with this year is Vikings game overs. So I will take Vikings over 43. Uh, I don't think it matters what I put on it unless I do so much that I like fall into zero. So I'll just put the min on it. And what is the line on that? Uh, minus 110. All right. My meaningless pick because a reef came through. <laughs> Good grief. Um, Let's go with the. I can't do Thursday night unders because Thursday night's not a thing this week. Um, I'm going to go Seahawks. Seahawks over the Rams, minus six. Uh, the Rams on the road last week of the year. Seahawks need to win. I think I think Seattle wins that one. Um, and I'll obviously put the max. Inman? I'm going to take the uh, Lions plus four and a half. Yeah, minus 108. I mean, I can't lose oh, here. I can't go down to in Sam territory, but I am trying to get that trophy. So I usually stick with 250, 300. I'm going to go 350 at minus 108. Up in the bet. All right, you get the uh, the snake pick. Coming back over under. Now, I can't bet on that Packer-Lion game, correct? No, you can't. I'm going to take the over in the Patriots-Bills game. Over 42, minus 110. Same amount, 350? Yeah, yep. Back to me, my last pick of the year. It's been a miserable year. My overall record, by the way, is 11-19-2. How bad is that? Well, I just want to point out that we're all horrible. Even though three of us are are in the green here, made a little bit of money, and and you're way deep in the (laughs) hole. You're actually the same record as a reef, more or less. You just lost all your big ones. Mm -hmm. It's just like sitting at the blackjack table. You lose your big bet, and then you go down to table minimum, and you hit a blackjack. You're 11-19-2. A reef's 12-19. I mean, if so I really, go two yeah. and zero, oh, I will be the only one of us to have won more bets than yeah. they lost this year. Yeah. <laughs> Ron has been on a little bit of a run. It. Yeah, you've been good. Yeah, I, I, yeah, well yeah. done. I was at like nine and sixteen. I think I won like six in a row. Yeah, yeah is gambling hot. legal in California? I don't think so. Oh, not okay. very confident. On that. I was going to say. Ooh, I mean, we everything... we can't legally do this in Minnesota, so we just have no practice. I thought maybe you were. Uh, oh no, you know. no, that's not it. Uh, bet online. Bron, who you been riding during this hot streak, this six and zero kind of streak? Like I rode, I rode the Jags. Remember, I rode the Jags right away for like the first yeah. seven weeks, and I just lost everything. Then I rode the, I flipped gears. I went in the Titans before they kind of cooled off, and and I won like four in a row with the Titans. Who who you been riding with on this hot streak? Do you remember Viking overs? Viking overs. Wow, they're not covering the spread, but they're hitting the over every time. That's crazy. I love it. <laughs> That's crazy. I'm gonna take Texans Colts under thirty eight. Ugly game, low scoring game. Bron, you need to do a spread. Yep. Um, I think the Cowboys are coming out firing against the eliminated commanders who uh, I don't even know who they're starting. They're going to start Sam Howell. Yeah. And that spread is minus seven right now. I'm taking the Cowboys minus seven. I'm slamming it. It's still strategically wise to put the minimum on it because of my lead. But need you guys need to go 2-0 to usurp me. So I'm going to make that be the the dynamic uh, that is at minus 110. And Arif will go with Bucks Falcons over 40 and a half minus 110. That is Bucks Falcons over 40 and a half minus 110, 300 bucks. And those are the final picks locked in. Uh, the punishment for me, because I'm the loser, I have to do a punt, pass, and kick or NFL combine deal in the snow. Bron, when are you in town? When can we? Film uh, this? I will be in town on the on Wild Card Weekend. Okay, oh, so right on. Like Saturday, I'm coming in Friday, coming out Monday because I don't know when the game is. So, all right, I will be in Houghton, 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 Michigan, until late, late, late Saturday. Probably going, hoping the game is on Sunday, and then going to the game. So we'll have to do this at some point Sunday night, Monday. Uh, um, before, yeah, I'll meet. be. I'm going to go to the game. So I don't know. Maybe right. we can meet up at the stadium or something there's a chance i may be there as well sounds good um i'm hoping for favorable scheduling for me uh 30 second party fouls here i gotta go in about three minutes but here we go party fouls 
It's time to tell you who spilled their proverbial drink on the sofa. Get ready for this week's party foul. Talk about embarrassment. Texas A&M trailed before the opening tip at Florida, a scenario neither coach had experienced or even knew was a possibility before Wednesday night. Shortly after leaving the court following final warmups, the Aggies realized managers had left their game jerseys at the team hotel. The managers left the jerseys at the team hotel, and they had to delay the game to get them back. Party fouls on those managers. Can you imagine leaving the jerseys at the hotel? The coach apparently took the fall. The coach said, it's my fault and it won't happen again. Williams was admittedly protecting his student managers. Yikes. Yikes. Expelled. Uh, I had uh, That's a good one, by the way. I, I saw that last night. I had a uh, cleat gate written down. I know we already kind of mm-hmm. went over cleat gate, but it, the back of my mind, you, you know what else I've been thinking about is, is Lamar Jackson took a huge gamble on betting on himself, gambled on himself, didn't get an agent, played out his contract, and I just thought, man, I hope he doesn't get hurt, man, because that is a huge gamble. Obviously, he's been hurt. Hopefully, he comes back here in the next week or two for the playoffs. But I just thought, man, he could have signed such a huge contract. I hope it still works out for him. But I've been thinking about and watching that story closely. Just to gamble on yourself with no agent. Why? I don't get it. Why do some of those guys do that? No agent. Just for the 5%, 10%. Is that it? Wasn't there a guy with no agent who then got his salary in cryptocurrency right before it crashed? Uh, there's a lot of guys that that went yeah. crypto. At least part of their bonus or a big chunk of their bonus, they went crypto. I stopped yeah, checking they, my crypto balance. It's too depressing. Yeah. Ron? Uh, I am going to go with those Ravens led by Tyler Huntley, leading 13-3 to in a fairly gotta-have-it game uh against the Steelers that would turn out to be an actual gotta have it game assuming Bills Bengals doesn't get resumed like uh Schefter Adam Schefter uh speculated that it would which feels like pretty powerful speculation um up 13 to 3 in the third quarter and they go punt 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 downs they don't score again and the Steelers score 13 unanswered to win 16 to 13 uh, extremely pathetic offensive showing, and uh, Tyler Huntley's not an excuse. He is one of the better backups in the league, in my opinion, and he's built for your offense. Nope, that's woof. Come on, Ravens. Hammer the subscribe button, people, on YouTube, Lockdown Sports Minnesota. Thank you for finding us on uh, wherever you get your podcasts, whichever app this might be. Perhaps you're watching on Amazon Fire Roku. We appreciate all of those mediums. Thanks for tuning in to the Minnesota football party back on Monday, reacting to Vikings bears. Reef Hassan should be back with us for Luke. Luke, I'm Sam. Big thanks to Ron Johnson as well. It's the Minnesota football party. Hey, prime members, you can listen to this locked on podcast ad free on Amazon music. Download the Amazon music app today.